Well, good evening. Again, for those of you who just walked in, welcome to Victory Christian Center, the Warren campus. Um, a lot is going on uh, in the Victory Circles. Um, we are just a part of uh, something much bigger than ourselves. Can you say there is much bigger than my little world? Amen? Um, I remember the first, time, uh, the first time we came to a Victory Christian Center, and um, I heard the pastor say, and uh, we just want to bless things that are going on in other churches, and that just was a foreign concept to me, but we are so excited that um, it's not about our kingdom. It's about his kingdom. It's not about our church. It's his church. We're just simply the under shepherds, and uh, what we're doing here in Warren is um, just simply lighting a fire. And um, we are excited. What's that? You know what? It's a good thing that people are uh, enjoying one another. That means that there's life going on. I'll, I'll talk over everybody. I can preach. You guys know that. Um, we, are, um, we are excited about what's happening here at Victory Christian Center because um, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is or freedom. Um, I got to tell you, can I just share a quick testimony? Um, two, two Friday nights ago, I was leading worship for the river service and a friend of mine who I don't see all the time. Um, I see her once in a great moon. She's a nurse at Akron Children's Hospital. Her name is Linda Bielstein. Um, she said she was praying for me and which I thought, praise God, somebody's praying for me other than my wife. You know, I, that's just awesome. When people come up to you and say, oh, I'm praying for you. And she said, um, I, I had something that the Lord dropped on my heart to give to you, and when I saw you leading worship tonight, I knew it was just confirmation. So she has this um, Walmart bag, and she hands me this Walmart bag, and she goes, this is for you. And inside the Walmart bag, there was a, it, you guys remember in, back in grade school, I'm, I'm 40, so I remember we used to have these things that were called pencil boxes. You guys know what those were? Little pencil boxes. It was about yay big, about this long, and it was a blue leather-bound box, and um, I had no idea what it was, and she just, she said, this is for you. And as I opened it up, I just heard these words in my spirit, just on the inside of me, for freedom. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. It was a, it was a replica size sword of William Wallace. Do you know who William Wallace is? Sir William Wallace was. How many men have seen the movie Braveheart? How many women have seen freedom? You guys never, you'll never forget that if you see that movie. Sir William Wallace was um, the, um, he vindicated Scotland um, from England. And uh, the man was a godly man, but what she gave to me was symbolic in my life because I felt like um, it was for freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we worship, as a worshiper, I am always wanting to get into the presence of God. I want the freedom that comes with the presence of God. And I'm so thankful that this campus is a campus full of worshipers who just love Jesus. We're just going to go and get into the presence of God. We're going to soak ourselves in the presence of God. So know this, every time we go into the presence of God, I'm swinging my sword for freedom. So that's what it is. That's my testimony. 
We want to go ahead and release the ushers at this time. Obviously, um, they have been passing out the Ministry of Friendship books. Take a moment if you can. Um, This just helps us to serve you. Um, It's not so that we can keep track of how many times you're not here. It's basically so we know if we don't see your name, maybe there's something wrong and we want to reach out to you and minister to you in that area. Um, Also, at this time, the ushers are in the aisles uh, to receive this week's giving. Um, If you would like to make out a check tonight, you can simply make it out to VCC or Victory Christian Center. Again, if this is your first time here, we are not expecting you. In fact, we're asking you, don't give. (laughs) If you feel any obligation, we are not asking you to give in this week's offering. Um, This is our, um, just an extension of our worship, and uh, we want to honor God with with our money as well. Yes, I said money in church. It's not all about money, but we do honor him with that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, is God able? I feel like I just need to release this word over some of you who have just been struggling financially and even um, emotionally this week. And I feel like um, even as I was walking up to do these this morning or this evening, the Lord just said, I am able to take care of everything that you're dealing with right now. And I just said this again today, and I, I believe it. My ability to trust in my God is is outweighed by his ability to meet my need. And he wants to meet you right where you are tonight. And so um, as we give tonight and as we pray, open your hearts to receive the word as my wife gets ready to come. Father God, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you are so good and it's your nature to be good to your children. Father, tonight we ask that you would accept this offering um, as just a token of our love and our affection for our Father. We love you. We thank you, Father, that you are accomplishing great things because uh, our people are faithful uh, to give. Father, may it return unto them on every side. Father, may men give unto them uh, tenfold, Father, in Jesus' name for their faithfulness. Now we just give you the rest of the service. We thank you that you are going to do great things because your word is preached here in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. God bless you. Amen. Do you love Jesus tonight? Hallelujah for the name of Jesus. That sweet name, the only name that saves and heals and delivers, sets free. We love that name. I like something he said when he was receiving the offering about our ability to trust. And I am an avid reader. I read Hudson Taylor's biography every year. And he said something in there that just has stuck with me. And he said, oh, Father, that I would have a greater faith to trust your faithfulness. And he is faithful. And when we're setting ourselves to pray and setting our hearts to pray, we need to remember that the one we're talking to is faithful. And we're not just talking out into the air. We're not just saying words just to say them. It's not something we do by rote. It's not just a work that we do. We're having a conversation with someone. We're talking to a real person with real power and real ability who wants to intervene in our situations, and he's just waiting for us to ask. The Bible says you have not because you So we're going to talk about asking. Tonight we're going to start part five of our prayer series called Prayer Life, and we're going to talk tonight about the word contend. And we're going to talk about contending 
for the word and contending in prayer and what that looks like. And um, just a little bit of a, a review, just real quick. We're in the middle of a series. We're talking about laying a foundation for a successful prayer life. So this isn't necessarily a one, two, three kind of a deal. If you do this, this, and that, it's not a list. It's not a, you know, push this button, pull this lever, and out pops your answer to prayer. This is a foundation of what a successful prayer life looks like. And prayer doesn't start when you say, Dear Heavenly Father. It doesn't end when you say, Amen. Prayer is a continuous, ongoing, living, breathing conversation with God. Amen. And so um, I thought of this quote this week as I was preparing. John Wesley said, God does nothing in the affairs of men except an answer to prayer. And we're not saying that God's not sovereign, that he can't do anything that he wants to do, but God has bound himself to what he has said about himself and us in his word. And his word says to ask. And so that's what we're talking about. He does nothing in the affairs of man except an answer to prayer. And if you think about it, through the word and through the years, everything that he did for people was really in response to their faith or to their prayer, even, even and especially the first coming of Christ. In Luke, when it talks about the angel appearing to Zechariah and the angel appearing to Mary and then Jesus was born and they take him into the temple and who is in there? But Anna, who had spent 84 years in the temple contending for the birth of the Savior. It just didn't start now. It didn't start at the birth of the New Testament. This has been going on for a long time. So we're going to look in the word about what contending looks like. Another reason that we pray is because it releases the power of God into the earth. James 5.16 says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. And how many of you can agree we need some power of God down here? (laughs) Our world is in a mess, and it could use a little dose of the power of God. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray always, pray in the Spirit, Pray about everything in every way that you know how. In keeping all this in mind, pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying feverishly and be on the lookout until evil has been stayed. So how often do you think we need to pray? What do we need to pray about? Everything. (laughs) And do we ever need to stop? No, we need to keep on praying fervorously. Fervorously means marked by intense agitation, emotion, or activity. We need to pray and keep on praying and keep on releasing the power of God in this earth. And the Amplified, Ephesians 6.18 says, pray at all times on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, contending, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And so we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to look at contending. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, draw your strength and might from God. Put on the full armor of God to protect yourselves from the devil and his evil schemes. We are not waging war against enemies of flesh and blood alone. No, this fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world. That's a picture, isn't it? 
and against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. We're not waging war against the enemies of flesh and blood. And we talked about this a little bit last week, and we're going to get back into it a little bit this week. The weapons of our warfare is what we talked about last week. The word, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith. The sword of the spirit is the word of God, and the shield of faith is this faith that is produced as we dwell in the word. And so we are waging war. Does that mean we're fighting a fight that Jesus fought? No, because he soundly defeated the enemy on the cross. He made a show of them openly. He put them under his feet. He put them under our feet. So the fight that we fight is one of maintaining his victory. And something that Pastor Michael said Sunday in worship, it got me really to thinking because he said, when we mentioned, we were singing that song in Jesus' name. And he said, when we mention the name of Jesus, demons tremble. And you know why they tremble? Because every time they hear the name of Jesus, they remember him defeating them. And they remember that they have no power. But if they can get us deceived and distracted to the point where we let them rule in our lives, then they're in. And so we need to protect ourselves, right? Put on the full armor of God. Take that sword of the spirit. Put up that shield of faith to protect ourselves. And that's all part of contending. The same person who wrote about grace, the same person who wrote about resting in the finished work of Christ is the same person who wrote about weapons of our warfare, The same person who wrote about resting in the finished work of Christ is the same one that wrote Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, that said we need to protect ourselves. The same one that said rest also said fight. He also said wage war. He also said use your weapons. He also said persevere. He also said stand strong. We have a weapon. We have a warfare. If we didn't, he wouldn't have said it, right? The same one that said that we don't earn salvation also said that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The same one who said, if you keep yourselves pure, you'll be a vessel of honor. Meaning that if you don't keep yourselves pure, you won't be a vessel of honor. And there's a thing going around in the body of Christ right now that it just is what it is, that you just rest in the finished work of Christ and you don't have anything else you need to do. In fact, I had a group of women that I used to meet with on Tuesday nights, and I really wanted to get into a prayer study on this, on contending, and I go, you know, I really feel like there's some things we need to contend for for our nation at that time, and I really wanted us to come together as a, and do it as a study and as a prayer group. We had just finished another book study, and there was a, a girl in the group, and she goes, we don't have to do that. She said, we don't have to contend. She said, Jesus did everything that ever needed done. We just have to rest. And I went, well, <laughs> the Bible that I read told me to pray always, never stop praying, keep on praying, persevere, protect yourself, contend, intercede, put your words out there, right? Are you with me? 
And I, my heart went out to her because she was having problems in her marriage. She was having problems with her kids. She's like, we don't need to contend. I'm like, how is that working for you? Because her marriage fell apart and her daughter had some huge issues. My heart just broke for her because I knew if she could just come out of that deception and get back into the fact where we have a work to do, not apart from the finished work of Christ, but because of the finished work of Christ. Grace enables us and gives us the authority to contend, to pray, to ask. It's because of that finished work of Christ that we know we stand before him with confidence that we can ask anything. But guess what? We still need to ask. Are we on the same page here? All right, I'm building my case for why we need to contend. (laughs) It's what Jesus did that enables us to contend. So we're going to take a quick look at what it means. Contend means to assert something as a position in an argument. And sometimes I think I should have been a lawyer because I really can hold my position. Don't say anything. (laughs) I really can. (laughs) It means to defend a belief or keep affirming that it is true. So when we talk about contending tonight, this is what we're talking about. About We're talking about asserting something as a position in an argument, right? When those lies come up against us, we are going to assert the truth over that with our mouths. And guess what? That's prayer. It's as easy as that. That's what contending is, to defend a belief or keep affirming it is true. Some of the synonyms are to maintain, assert, hold, claim, argue, to insist, to declare, to profess, affirm, and assert. So this is what we're going to do tonight. Contending is what we do between asking and receiving. How many of you have ever prayed and received it immediately? Now, how many of you have ever prayed and not received it immediately? (laughs) So what happens from the time that you pray to the time that you receive is that we contend for the word. And we're going to look at that tonight. John 5:14 says if we ask anything according to his will he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have granted to us as our present possession the things that we desired of him. We looked at that scripture last week. We aren't just contending for what we want. We're contending for what he wants. We're not just contending for our own desires necessarily. We're contending for what his word says. Remember last week we laid that whole foundation of the word is what we base our beliefs on. The word is the truth, right? And so when anything comes up into opposition against the word, what is it that we're supposed to agree with? The word. So we're contending here for what the word says. His will is found in his word. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. We must know his word to know him. We must know his word to know his will. It's found in there. John 15, 7, remember it said, If you abide in me and my words abide, stay 
remain, don't leave, are always there, vitally united to the vine. If we're vitally united to his word, we can ask whatever we will, and it'll be done for us. He gave us his word so that we have something to look at when everything else in our life looks the opposite. He gave us his word so that we have something to think about apart from the problem that looks opposite to his word. He gave us his word so that we have something to say because he knows we're going to say something. Even quiet people say something. (laughs) And he gave us his word so that we have something to put in our mouths to speak when everything else in our life looks opposite. It says that we trust you, we believe what you say, and that's what we're going to agree with. When we speak his word, we're agreeing with his word. His word and his promises are his potential for every believer. They're his potential over our lives. That's what he wants for all of us. It's when we agree with our mouths, with what he says about us, then it pulls it from heaven to earth. And that's what we're doing when we're contending for his word. When we're contending in prayer, we're agreeing that he's right and what we see is wrong. And that this is eventually going to line up with what he said. You with me? Okay. We're going to look at a couple examples in in the Bible. In Daniel 9, I know it's not the first place everybody goes when they open their word in the book of Daniel, but we're going to look at it tonight. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. We want to look at learned from reading the word of the Lord. And if you go on and read the rest of this chapter, what he's talking about is that he found in the word where it said that they were only going to be held captive for 70 years. And guess what year it was? It was the 70th year. It was the year 539 B.C. And if you read in the word also, that is when Cyrus, King Cyrus of Persia, defeated the Babylonians and he set Darius as the the leader in Babylonia. So guess who God used to release his people from captivity in the year 539 B.C.? He used Cyrus. And he, I mean, he prophesied it in Isaiah 400 years before it happened. He said, Cyrus will be my servant and do all my pleasure. So in the year 539 B.C., Cyrus invaded Babylon. He took it captive. He placed Darius as the king there, and he released God's people. Is it any coincidence that it happened after Daniel prayed? No. Daniel found it in the word And he contended for that to happen. This is what it looks like to contend for the word. 
is when you see something in the word that God has promised you and you take it right back to him and say, no, you said. That's what Daniel was doing. He said, you said 70 years. It's been 70. I'm ready to go home. (laughs) Open the door. Whatever you have to do, do it. Release us. You're faithful to your word and we're not going to stop until we see it. That's what it looks like to contend for the word. We're going to look at my favorite story on contending, (laughs) and it's found in 1 Kings 18. And I'm trying to get through this to leave us plenty of time to pray at the end, because you're going to be ready to pray. You're going to be hungry and excited to open your mouth and release the word from your mouth. 1 Kings 18, 1 through 2. It says, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now it did not say, go and pray for the rain. Because if you read the, the chapter before, it's when Elijah said, it will not rain on this land until my word. And then God's word comes to Elijah in chapter 18, verse 1, and says, you go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain in the land. How many of you would agree that's the word of the Lord? He didn't say go pray for the rain. He said go present yourself to Ahab. So that's what he did. He went, he presented himself to Ahab, and I bet he looked up to the sky and said, where's the rain? Because Elijah had never obeyed the word of the Lord and not had God do his part. In the chapter before, he said, go to the Kareth Ravine and ravens will feed you. So Elijah went to the Kareth Ravine and ravens fed him. And then he said, go into Zarephath and there's a widow there that will feed you. So Elijah went into Zarephath, met the widow who had nothing, and yet she fed him until the drought was over. Elijah had never obeyed the word of the Lord and not had God to his part until now. He went and presented himself to Ahab, and guess what? No rain. I bet Elijah was wondering what was going on. It was unusual for him to not have the display of God's power upon obedience. In verse 41, it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, This was after a lot of stuff happened. (laughs) There was a lot of stuff. He presented himself to Ahab. There was no rain. They had that big showdown of the prophets of Baal and him on the Mount Carmel with the sacrifice, and he doused it with water, probably the only water left in all of Israel, (laughs) doused it, and God caught the whole sacrifice on fire. You know, the water caught on fire, the wood, amazing miracles, And then he looked at Ahab and he said, go eat and drink for is the sound of the abundance of rain. The sound of a heavy rain. Now Elijah couldn't say go because it looks like rain. Because it didn't look like rain. There wasn't anybody else in all of Israel that thought it was going to rain. It was clear skies and blue sunny day. No evidence of rain. Even though Elijah obeyed. we have to look at the word. We need the word. Verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. What do you think that was? 
He closed his eyes so that he could focus on what God said and not be distracted by how it looked opposite to his eyes. He put his face to the ground between his knees because he didn't want to look at blue skies. He wanted to see rain. He put his face between his knees. Verse 43 and 44. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back, which means seven times he put his face between his knees and prayed. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand rising from the sea. Now let's break that apart because I wonder sometimes what that conversation with God looked like. He put his head between his knees and I wonder if he said, okay, God, you said rain, where is it? All right, go look. And the servant goes to look and he comes back and he says, there's nothing. So Elijah puts his face between his knees again and he says, uh, it doesn't look like rain, but you said it was going to rain. So I believe you, where's the rain? All right, go look. There's got to be something. So the servant comes back and says, there's nothing. Um, hello, <laughs> there still isn't any rain. You know, if I were you, Lord, I'd be putting some clouds in the sky. I said it was going to rain because you said it was going to rain. You don't want to embarrass me now. <laughs> Come on, I'm standing for you. All right, go look. And the servant comes back and he says, nothing. All right, God, I've never known you <laughs> to not do what you said you were going to do. So it's got to get ready to rain. So I'm looking for it. All right, go look. So the servant comes back. Nothing. There's nothing. Back to his knees. <laughs> All right, Lord, now I'm not going to stop asking <laughs> until I see what you said was going to happen. It's a blue sky out there, but you said rain. I might not understand, but I trust you. So I'm believing you. It's going to rain. That's what I'm going to say. Now go look. And the servant comes back and guess what? Still nothing. All right, God, there's still no clouds. <laughs> still no clouds. But guess what? I, there doesn't have to be clouds because you parted a Red Sea. You created everything out of nothing. And so even if there are no clouds, you are big enough to make it rain without any clouds. I trust you. All right, go look. Finally, the servant comes back and says, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know, in my eye, that would still not be enough to tell me it's going to rain today. <laughs> but it was all Elijah needed. He got up and he said, all right, you better run down there because the rain is coming. And guess what? Quickly followed. It, the heavens opened and it flooded. It flooded. But he contended for the word of the Lord. All those other things happened that he didn't even have to pray for. He just did them. He just said, fire fall, and it fell. But what God said, he had to contend for. Are you with me? What God said, he had to contend for. My definition of the word contending is looking away from anything opposite of his word and focusing on what he said and agreeing with that until you see it. It's looking away from anything opposite of his word and focusing on what he said and agreeing with that until you see it. 
I've been bipolar in my prayer life before. Anybody else? All right, Lord, I'm trusting you. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? All right, Lord, I'm trusting you. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? All right, Lord, <laughs> is that contending? No, that's just getting dizzy. That is just, that is just flat getting dizzy. Contending is looking away from everything that's opposite of what he said so that I can focus on what he said. You know, when the serpents came in the camp in Numbers, I can't remember what chapter it was. Remember they grumbled and complained and God sent the serpent, all those fiery serpents into the camp. And he told Moses to lift up the brass serpent and anyone who looked at the brass serpent would live. And you know what that looked means, that word? It means to look with a steady and absorbing gaze, to look away from everything else with a steady and absorbing gaze. Now you have snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? You have snakes <laughs> all around the camp, poisonous snakes, right? And you can't look down. You have to look with a steady, absorbed gaze at the brass serpent. You can't check on your kids. You can't check on your husband. You can't check on anybody around you. They might be slithering up your legs, right? Or down your back. And your gaze is fixed on the brass serpent. That's what it means to look away from everything that looks the opposite of the word of God and focus on his truth. Well, it's a fact. I have this in my body. It might be a fact, but the truth, his truth is higher than fact. And if you grab hold of his truth, it's going to get rid of the fact and turn it to truth. Are you with me? His word coming out of our mouths releases his power into our situation just like it did with the rain. How long did Elijah keep going? Until he saw something. Until it changed. But it's been two weeks, yeah? The promises don't have an expiration date. Do they? No. Our bill might. <laughs> but the promises, no. They don't have an expiration date. We get frustrated. We get tired. We get weary. Time messes with us. It doesn't bother him at all. Ask Joseph, who sat in prison <laughs> in slavery for 13 years before his dream came to pass. Or Abraham, who waited 25-ish, long time, for Isaac, while contending with his mouth. Abraham contended. When God changed his name, he was speaking that out every single time he said his name. He was agreeing with God and contending in prayer every time he said his name. That's why God changed his name, so that he would be in agreement with what he said about him. And God has named us. He's named us healed. He's named us provided for. He's named us peaceful. He's named us free free from oppression, free from depression, free from pain, free from sickness. He has named us. 
And we need to call ourselves what God calls us. And that is contending in prayer. We don't stop believing. We don't stop speaking. We don't stop contending until faith is made sight. Are you with me? You're being awfully quiet tonight. Oh, we don't stop believing, we don't stop contending, we don't stop speaking until faith is made sight. Sight. Yeah. And I have a friend that I went to Bible school with, and um, we keep in touch on Facebook, and she said something the other day, and I thought, I like the way she put that. She said, we get to touch with our hands today what we've only touched by faith for 15 years. You don't stop until you get to touch it with your hand, which you've only touched by faith. Are you with me? He is looking for a people who will contend. So what does that look like? What does that mean? What does that look like to me? It means you find something in his word and you don't let go of it until it's real in your life, tangible in your life, until heaven realities become earthly realities. If you have sickness in your body, then 1 Peter 2.24 is your best friend. You get up with it, you go to bed with it, you go through your day with it, who knows what it says. By whose stripes you were healed. And if you were healed, then you are currently, presently healed. So tear that one apart. Think about it over and over and over and over until your thought becomes your words. Because what you think about is going to come out of your mouth. Use your imagination in it. Imagine him getting whipped for you. And that with every time that lash comes down saying that was for your healing, Jesus said that was for cancer and that was for diabetes and that was for leukemia and that was for whatever your sickness and disease is. Every one of those stripes had a name and it was called healing. And he didn't do it for nothing. And when we don't take advantage of it, it's like he did it for nothing. We need to contend for what his word said. Oh, well, if he really meant it, it would just happen. No. No. I'm going to read something in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel had prayed in the next chapter about something else. And this is very revealing because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And this war that we're fighting, the warfare that we're fighting is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers of the darkness, right? In Daniel 10, verse 12, it says, the angel appears to Daniel and says, do not be afraid, Daniel, from the very first day that you began to pursue understanding and humble yourself before God, your words... Your prayer, your words have been heard. I have been sent in response to what you've said. 
I would have been here sooner, however, for the past 21 days, the spirit of the prince of Persia opposed me and prevented me from coming to you. Then Michael, one of the chief princes of heaven, came to my aid because I was alone and was busy dealing with the kings of the Persia. There are things happening in the realm that we can't see that we need to contend for his word because of things happening that we can't see. If you think that there's not forces trying to withhold what he has promised you, then you're deceived. But those forces have already been defeated. So what we do when we open our mouth and declare his word and say in Jesus' name is we remind them that they're defeated. Right? They have to give up, they have to back off, and they have to get out. Well, why doesn't happen immediately? I don't know. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But when it doesn't, what do we have? We have his word to stand on. And that's what it looks like to contend. That's what it looks like to stand on his word from the minute that you ask until faith becomes sight because it will. Are you with me? <laughs> now he's looking for people who will contend for his word. Not just in our own bodies, which we can. We have the privilege. We have the right. We need to. Not just in our own finances, but we can. We have that privilege. We have that right. And we need to take authority and take advantage. And every personal answer to prayer that you get is going to boost your faith. But he needs a people that's willing to contend for his word as far as revival. There are things in his word that he's promised that we have yet to see. That I am hungry to see. He said, before Jesus comes back, we're going to have the early and the latter rain poured out together. It's going to be a greater revival than anything we've ever seen on the face of this earth or heard of. And I've heard of some pretty cool things. And I haven't seen anything even close to that yet. I remember sitting in Brother Hagin's class and listening to him tell a story about a church that he was in where a girl, a young girl, came up and they had altars, which would be something like this, kind of up on it. And she had her eyes closed and she was exhorting people to get saved. And she was dancing back and forth on the altar with her eyes closed. And she'd get to the end and stop. And she'd get to the end and stop. And she wasn't looking where she was. And every time somebody got saved, she'd dance a little jig on the altar. And when the last unsaved person in the whole church got saved, she danced clear across the altar. She danced off the altar in midair and danced right back on the altar in midair. She was dancing on the Holy Spirit. My goodness, I haven't even seen anything close to that. Sister Maria Woodworth Edder stood frozen in the pulpit as a sign, and didn't move for 72 hours. Three whole days under the Spirit of God. There are rivers and revivals we haven't even touched. And we're going to have the early and the latter rain together? I can't even wait to see what that looks like. But are you asking? Father, send the rain. 
Lord, I contend for the rain. Nothing can withhold that rain. Are we like Elijah? Are we praying for the rain? We see darkness and depravity all around us, so we put our face to the ground and say, uh-uh, I am contending for the rain, for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Then you have people saying, well, that's not going to happen. Yes, 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 yes. No, God doesn't do miracles today. Oh, yes, he does. Because I'm contending for the move of God and for the miracles of God and for the power of God. He didn't stop being God. The, The church stopped contending. This church has lowered him. We've changed our doctrine. Someone didn't get, we say, or healed, so we'd go, oh, I guess God just doesn't heal everybody, if it be thy will. You know, the only time Jesus ever prayed, if it be thy will, was when he was in that garden consecrating his life, shuddering at the thought of going to the cross, dripping great drops of blood from his sweat because he was so not wanting to do that in his flesh. But not my will, your will. He was bringing himself in submission to the will of God for his life. The only time we need to be praying, if it be thy will, is when it has to do with his plan for our life. Healing? Never. Don't you ever think of praying that for healing. The word is very clear that it's his will to heal. All. Why don't they all get healed? I don't know. But I'm not going to stop believing him. I am not changing my doctrine because of somebody's experience. Are you with me? Are we contending? (laughs) Are you ready to contend? I've saved some time at the end here because I really want us to do this. I really want us to contend. And um, I wondered, honey, if we could sing. Can we sing that song in Jesus' name? Or no? Probably not. Wouldn't go. Um, Huh? So I was thinking maybe we could do a reverse prayer line. (laughs) How many of you have a need? You have something that you need God to move in. How many of you already have a scripture? All right. I want to do a reverse prayer line. And what I mean by that is we want our prayer people to come up if usually pray for people. But we're not going to pray for people. We're going to give them a word. And that word is going to become their word. And so instead of praying for, you know, Jesus never prayed for the sick, ever, ever. He commanded sickness to leave. You read the Gospels and show me one time where Jesus prayed for the sick. He never prayed for the sick. He always commanded. Always commanded sickness to leave. Speak his word. And so if you have a need in your life and you need a scripture to stand on and to declare and to contend with, I'm going to ask you, you can come up. You can put the music back on. That's good. But um, if you... If you have a need and you want to 
have help getting a scripture and somebody to maybe help you start on the declaring contending end, go ahead and come up. And we'll start with that. Anybody? Now I know more people raised your hands. <laughs> Are y'all ashamed to come up and get a scripture? It, you know, I have gone to people and said, I need a scripture. Do you have a scripture for this? Do you have the word for that? Because the word is the basis. The word is the foundation. So while they're contending for their thing, we, the rest of us, are going to contend for the rain. Are you with me? Now, if you have something in your body and you need to be speaking to it, while we're praying up here, you speak to your body. If you need have a need in your checkbook, you talk to your checkbook and you tell it how blessed you are. And how blessed God made you. Because you are blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're above and not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. You will lend to many and borrow from none. That's what the word says about you. So you need to declare and decree that. But the rest of us, we're going to pray for the rain. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. It's in your word that you showed us your plan so that we could speak it forth and contend for it in this earth. And you said that you are going to send the rain. Hallelujah. That you are not, you are very patient. You're a very patient farmer and you're waiting on the precious fruit of the earth because you don't have them all yet. And so in order for the harvest to get ready, we need rain to prepare the ground. And so, Father, we ask you to send the rain. We ask you to send the rain on Victory Christian Center, that as we come in this place and as anyone walks in these doors, that they sense your presence, that they sense your rain, because all the rain is, is an outpouring of your glory, your manifested presence. And that's what we want, Father. And so we ask you for the rain. Send your manifested presence in this place. Let it permeate and saturate every chair, every square inch of this building. Let it saturate the children's department. Let it saturate the youth encounters so that kids have encounters with you. Our sons and daughters shall prophesy. You said it. It's because of the rain. And so we ask you to send this rain on Victory Christian Center. Fill us up every time we walk in the door so that we can take you out to the people in this lost world. Send the rain on Victory. We ask you to send the rain on Warren, Ohio. Father, people have spoken some terrible words about this city, that we're depressed, that we'll never be prosperous again, that we'll just go under because all the businesses are leaving. But we declare that because we're here, your hand is upon it. Your hand <coughs> to prosper. Your hand to bring new businesses and innovative ideas. We just ask you to move in Warren, Ohio. To send your rain, Father, in Warren, Ohio. Send the rain, Father, in Jesus' name in Trumbull County. In every church that is preaching the name of Jesus, we ask you to send revival and to send your rain. Hallelujah. There's no... <coughs> 
competition in the body of Christ, Father. We're all one body. We ask you to descend the rain in every church preaching Jesus. Father, we thank you for the people in this neighborhood. And we ask you to send your rain in every house in this neighborhood. Father, send laborers across their path to introduce them to you. Let them have encounters with you. Let them come in contact with your presence to meet their needs in the midst of their crisis. Just when you sent revival, in Maria Woodworth Edder's meetings and for miles, Father, they could feel it in their homes, the presence of God. The early and the latter rain together is going to be even stronger than that. Open doors of unction into this community. Open doors of unction for us to speak to our neighbors, to speak in Warren, Ohio. Doors of unction and ministry. Miracles and signs and wonders. Father, we ask you to stretch forth your hand to heal in Warren, Ohio. We ask you for miracles and signs and wonders. Father, that we would have a greater faith to trust in your faithfulness to do miracles. Give us boldness, Father, to preach your word and let signs and wonders follow in the name of Jesus. Give us a revelation of your power, Father, on the inside of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Hallelujah. And you want that power to flow through us. Give us boldness and revelation of it, Father. Thank you for the rain, Father. We ask you to continue to send the rain, Father, in this nation. Send your rain in Washington, D.C. Send revival amongst the politicians, Father. Lord knows they need you. <laughs> they need a revelation of who you are. Pray for revival in this nation, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory, Father, for sending the rain. We hunger with anticipation of what you're going to do. Let us have an anticipation and excitement as we get up every day to see what miracles you're going to perform, what rain you're going to send, how much of your glory and power we're going to get to see with our eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Oh, Riatakan Zenemesta Klacha. Oh, Ziatakana. Those Abrete. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just thank you for this night. Father, for these words that I have so ineptly spoken, Father. I have nothing of value to say unless you give revelation when it's said. Father, and I just pray that as we go, that you'll continue to illuminate to us the power that's in our words, how much influence we have, the need to contend, Father, for what your word says. Give us the tenacity to not let go until we see it, faith made sight, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, God's good, isn't he? <laughs> That's all I have, honey. Do you have an announcement? Okay. Hey, um, just one last announcement. Um, Pastor Daniel just texted me. Um, for those of you who are on uh, Facebook and friends with uh, the Dade family, um, Max and Joyce Dade uh, attend our campus here. Joyce's mom... Um, it went home to be with the Lord. Um, and uh, so he just asked us uh, just to make it aware, make you guys aware. Her, she was in the, um, I believe it was Shepherd of the Valley. No, I, I can't remember the name of the nursing home. It was the one in Champion, uh, Windsor House. It was the real nice one in the back, Windsor House. Um, Monday, the 16th at 2 p.m., uh, the funeral, uh, the calling hours are... Uh, I'm trying to make uh, heads or tails of this text. Service for Joyce Dade's mom, Monday, February 16th at 2 p.m. at Hall's Funeral Home. The calling hours are noon to 2 for Noreen uh, Shagnot. I believe that's how they pronounced it. Um, He just asked if we would just pray for them tonight. So, Father God, we just thank you for the Dade family, for the Shagnot family. Lord, we, um, we grieve with them. Your word says that when, uh, when there are those in the body that uh, are rejoicing, we re- are to rejoice with them. And uh, for those who are grieving, we grieve with them. And Father, we just pray that the peace of God that comfort them tonight uh, in their loss, even though they knew that, it, that this time was coming, Father, it still does not help to... Uh, take away the sting, only the hope that we have and the fact that we will see her again, Father. We thank you for your faithfulness to cover this family tonight and to comfort them and to give them peace and to give them strength during this trying time. We give you all the glory for um, just being God to them, being uh, faithful, and uh, we give them to you tonight in Jesus' name. Um, Amen. Let me give you these times again. I know that Pastor Daniel always tells us, um, you know, people are never going to remember what you say at a funeral service or at a, a calling hours, but they will remember how you make them feel. So we do all, uh, we, we tend to strive to um, encourage you to be uh, ministers of presence. And what that simply means is just simply go and give her a hug, give the family a hug, and just let them know that you're praying for them. It's not what you say, it's, it's the fact that you're there. So we'd highly encourage you, if you do know the dates, um, please uh, make it a point. On Monday, the service is Monday at 2 p.m., and the calling hours are at Halls uh, from 12 to 2 p.m., uh, Monday the 16th. So God bless you. Um, we are so, uh, so excited about what God's doing here again. 
We are thankful for your presence here on Wednesday night. We will see you again this weekend. Be safe as you go, and uh, God bless you.